Welcome to episode two of Superhero Chicken Fest by Door Monster. This episode was kind of unplanned, but we had Ricky over and we wanted to make full use of him before he dematerialized back onto his plane of existence again, so we decided to do another episode of the podcast as well as the videos that we shot with him. This episode contains spoilers for some of the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films, Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, Chronicle, and possibly Kick-Ass. It's pretty spoiler light this episode because we're talking about visuals and not the stories, so unless you're especially sensitive about having anything spoiled for you in any of those particular movies, it shouldn't be too much of a problem. Audible.com did not pull their sponsorship after last episode, which means if you head on over to audibletrial.com slash doormonster, you can still get a free audiobook and a 30-day free trial. They have 180,000 titles to choose from. They are available on all of your favorite listening devices. And if you're like me, you don't have time to read books as much as you might want to, and maybe you drive a lot or have a job that's really boring or you work on visual things and need something to listen to. And with Audible, you can catch up and then actually know what you're talking about whenever you get into discussions about the the latest big novel or something. Why wouldn't you want me advertising your product, huh? Superhero Chicken Fest! Hey everybody, I'm Kyle. I'm Allison. I'm Ricky. Welcome to Superhero Chicken Fest, the podcast based on the time when we went to watch superhero movies and then ate chicken. We now talk about the movies without the chicken. Maybe someday we will reintroduce the chicken here on the podcast, but at the moment we just have blueberries. We had all the chicken yesterday. We did. We had an entire tray full of Chick-fil-A chicken. Oh, my God. 120 so chicken nuggets. Split between three people. We ate all of them. It was $50 worth of chicken. And then I went to the hospital. Uh, today's episode... <laughs> well, yeah, no, not inaccurate. <laughs> um, today's episode is going to be about uh, visual adaptations of comic books and, uh, and uh, video games and other visual medium. Film adaptations of visual media. We're there keeping it kind go. of vague this time and uh, hopefully uh, keeping it nice and open. This will be a more casual podcast than I think last time where we had like a lot to say about two movies and four people all trying to say it at the same time. <laughs> right. This time, this will be more of like an exploratory podcast, I guess. We're sort of like... Oh man, freeform jazz A sessions. little bit, yeah. Freeform jazz podcast. We're just going to kind of see where we go, see what we come up with. Um, it'll be mostly about visuals because I'm I'm kind of I'm the only like 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 specific writer skill tree class here. <laughs> you like Allison knows more about visual stuff, and Ricky has opinions on visual stuff. I have so, opinions. <laughs> like oh. in terms of adaptation, we are sticking to the way that uh, you visually we like make it look on screen, uh, and and how close people in different movies try to get that to the original source material and whether or not that's good and what the right ways of doing that are is kind of what I'm thinking of, like the angle I'm thinking of going at it. I think it's a good one. Yeah. So we've we've been talking about, um, just keeping in theme, we were talking about Spider-Man yesterday. As everybody is talking about Spider-Man. Right. We did our <coughs> podcast on Spider-Man right before Spider-Man came out, so now there's more Spider-Man. But we're not talking about that Spider-Man, we're talking about the first Spider-Man. My favorite Spider-Man. <laughs> right. All the Spider-Mans. All the Spider-Men. Yeah, that's true. The uh, the Sam the Sam Raimi Spider-Mans though specifically uh, we were uh, like well they, they, I, I think we could open it to all of them because they all kind of went comic booky in different ways I feel mm-hmm. like. Well, the Amazing Spider-Man is a movie. The Amazing Spider-Man was was definitely comic booky. Like it was it was pure comic all the way through. It may not have been the kind of comic that you approve of, but it was definitely a comic book movie. Like, it was, it was so comic-y. At one point, he had, like... It had a lot of like, hard edges. Like, he shows up, and he has, like, a fish and, like, throws it into the closet. Like, there's, like, all these different things they do. Like, they go extreme with it. Ian was pointing out last time how they have, they have like, the vials with the skull and crossbones on it. Like, it went pretty comic booky in its visuals. I thought so. 
It was also a lot. It was it was interesting to me because that one was a lot was really comic book and really video game. So kind of a nice mix of both of them. But we also talked about oh. that one for like an hour. So yeah, they know about that one. <laughs> right. So I think that movie's beautiful. Going back to get Ricky, start us off on on the Sam Raimi Spider Mans. Like why are they good? Yeah, but visually specifically, like, like visually why, why is because it looks like a like a golden age comic on the screen. Refresh like, us on what exactly it looks like because it's actually been a long time since I watched those three specifically. It's like it's a lot a lot to do with uh, like just Sam Raimi's color choices. A lot of like bright golds, oranges, and of course like his primary colors very much pop. It's not a lot of like darks. Uh, a lot of like very vibrant colors like a blue sky, an American flag. The American flag, of course, because of, you know, 9-11. I hate you that know. shot. You hate that shot? <laughs> yes, I do. Everybody <laughs> loves it in the first movie. It gets worse as the oh, movie's Oh, sorry, I'm on. thinking about the one in the third one specifically. In the third that, one that specifically? That was a really just, like, almost obscene amount of American flag in that shot. Yeah. Well, the first one's really <laughs> good. The first American flag shot's really good. And uh, a lot of, like, even, like, the night scenes are really well lit, and there's still vibrant colors. Like, the cart hanging is still, like, very silver and red, and like Green Goblin even is a very vibrant like color. It's interesting that you I mentioned that. Golden Age comics because they do have a very specific kind of brightly colored look. Right. Because it's it's like it's not a high contrast movie. It's actually it, it's like a it's, it's kind of washed out but still colorful in the way that comic books were. Right. Like it's like the, contrast, the blacks aren't super saturation. black. Yeah. Like they were like an Amazing Spider-Man. The blacks were dark. Yeah. Like they were, it was really a, a high contrast movie and like the. the yeah, the original ones did. Actually, it's our, it's our image. Like whoever's li- if you're listening to our podcast on YouTube right now, you're looking at a cover image that I based off of like Silver, Silver Age comic cover designs. It's right. basically that kind of color scheme is what the original Spider-Man movie had. Right. Which hey, is, even in like the third one where it like takes all the darker tones, you have the black suit and stuff like that. Like the darks, like the like the dark scenes happen, and you get a lot of darker scenes, but even. Those scenes are full of color, like the dark, smoky jazz bar. So it has very vibrant colors all over right. it. And, you know, even though Peter Parker is now, like, all in his, like, black suit and stuff like that. Not the Spider-Man suit, but actually Peter Parker. Like, he's there's still a lot of color around him. It almost actually plays off of... I was always confused as a kid why in comic books, anybody who was wearing black wasn't actually wearing black. They were wearing really dark blue all the time. You know what I'm talking about? Are you sure about that? Yes. In old comic art, when they're doing highlights on black, it's blue. Because the that's only, yeah. only like black that's allowed to be in like the original, like the comic books, right? The only black you're allowed is for... Like the outlines, I the guess. Out, the, like the panels. Yeah. Like you don't want to make the same color as your panel because then everything, like, you lose your, your right. structure, you know? Well, and they carry that over into like <laughs> the games sometimes, I remember, like game art... Like, the original Spider-Man game for Nintendo 64 was, like, all, like, Black Cat and Venom were both, like, a bluish color. Specifically right. because they were imitating the old comics. Right, right. And, yeah, I, I think, I think the, the, the Sam Raimi movies kind of followed suit with that a little bit. And then, I don't know, what do you, what do you, what do you think about having just watched the new Spider-Man movie, like, in comparison to those other two? Did it look, was it basically the same, or... Um, well, I think it's kind of hard because the original Spider-Man movie, sort of, the the very first one with Tobey Maguire, it, like, represents the time of how movies actually looked, and yeah. the last one does that, too, and that, and I think that that's, that's kind of hard because 
even I was trying to look up like clips and stuff of the first Spider-Man, mm-hmm. and it has that it has the low contrast look. Right. That looks older now because that's that was just kind of how movies look now when you're watching them like, and I, I'm the newest one has a bunch of like what I thought were kind of Instagrammy looking shots. Like, they're beautiful shots, but, like, all of the ones of the downtown area with, like, the sunset, that kind of stuff. I thought it was really... I thought a lot of shots they specifically made just so that you can stare at them were done really, really well. But outside of that, I didn't... I wasn't, like, wow. by any color. You also ever see anything that is not New York. Yeah. In the original, like, Spider-Man, right? In, like, the same movie Spider-Man's, right? Not to say that, uh, like, things in the other movies aren't New York. They definitely are all New York. But when you think New York from, like, a, like, like, a just purely fantasy, like, what does New York look like? Oh, yeah, that's a good you're point. You're just thinking, like, skyscrapers, crowded streets, Taxis. like, high-rise apartments, and, like, small tenement buildings in certain areas. But, like, even those are, like, surrounded by, like, street skyscrapers, and you are always there. Yeah. In the Raimi Spider-Mans. Yeah. Agree. Like, even when you're in the park scenes, like, in Central Parks and stuff like that. You can still see all the buildings always surrounding, like you're always in the city. That's a good point. And uh, in like any of the other Spider-Man movies, like they go to locations that are just like not what you think New York looks like. I mean, you know New yeah. York looks like that because New York is, of course, a very big place and very varied and <laughs> right. stuff like that. I yeah. think the newest one was a lot more about composition than it was colors. The colors were all very nice and they you were all very modern yeah you mentioned instagram it actually did kind of feel like that like it didn't feel like it like an instagram filter but it, it right. felt it had that modern photography look to it yeah that's what the it was. amazing spider-man and uh the newest one right they do this thing <clears throat> they do the text message scenes right do which, which ones <laughs> what, what is the text message scene where they overlay oh, over the, the text messages over the oh the sherlock thing where they just like put the text like on the screen basically or is that what you're talking about sherlock I'm sorry, I didn't watch a lot of Sherlock. Oh, oh. That is, yeah, they, that was Sherlock is like known for they they're sort of like one of the early like, you, like versions like of putting the text is up like on Peter the screen Parker, as they're typing, like sitting alone texting, and you just see like the you hear the whoop, and it puts a little like bubble, right. yeah, on, like overlay sort yeah. of thing. That's a really like newish yeah. thing. I mean, well, of course, because like texting is pretty newish, but like every movie does that now. I was just that's Literally, just an offshoot. I remember watching movies like back in two thousand five that did that kind of thing. They just didn't do it quite as well, but it was like it was like for teen teeny bobby movies type right. things where they put and I it used to drive me nuts. It like took me out of the movie, but now they've like done such a good job at doing that. Oh, it still takes me out of the movie because you're showing me a phone screen. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't quite take me out of the movie as much as it used to. It's a lot more subtle. It's been now. I kind of like the way they're doing it now where you show the messages on the screen and then you can see the messages and still watch the play, the actor act it out cuz previously right. the way of doing it was just showing the phone mm-hmm. which, you know, like the insert of the phone screen basically. Right, right. Well, even before that it was like the email would come and the character <coughs> would read the email out loud. Right, yeah. <laughs> right. It was emails before. It's actually, that's actually always been sort of like an interesting thing of seeing how people deal with with that in stories cuz there's Mm-hmm. There's lots of different ways you can do it. I think I think about the newest Spider-Man movie. Ian said it best, which is in the uh, alleyway where he puts his backpack for the first time. Right. Yeah. You actually have something to look at no matter what you're staring at in that shot, and that's actually consistent throughout that movie. They did a great job at not just having Spider-Man being the thing to look at. 
in every single shot in that movie, you can stare at something else and it's worth looking at. Like, if you can actually stare at dumpsters in an alleyway and think that the shot composition is really great, then, well, I mean, that's, that's really impressive. Yeah. Like, and he's right. Like, I actually know where every single dumpster and trash piece and, like, thing <laughs> on the wall of that alleyway looks like from, like, a 30-second shot just because of how well they put it together. Yeah. Like, even the inside of the warehouse, I also know exactly what that warehouse looks like. They made you look at everything, and they did a really great job doing that. So Yeah, that's a good point. I can, I can remember the, the actual sets from that movie really well. Yeah. Another big me? thing, right, about the first Spider-Man? Was, I just had to pull this up to, like, show, show. Yeah. This is the scene. Everybody knows the scene. Oh, right, the upside-down kiss upside scene. Upside-down kiss scene in the rain, it's at great. night, at in the dark. It's like the... It's like right. lit that very well. Yeah, that, that is at night it, and raining. It is at night <laughs> raining in a dark alley where and it's she's orange. just been they're long, orange. And they are orange. They're definitely <laughs> orange. And that's like, I don't know, like that just like, that highlights a lot of like the color palette that he likes to use. Yeah. Like that orange like is like everywhere. And it's like the weirdest thing, but it, it, it feels very comic book like. Yeah. And even his actors that he gets just go over the top. They're very expressive. Like yeah, that's a good point. Say except anything you want. Well, except for Kirsten Dunst, yeah. Well, Kirsten Dunst is hilarious because she's a struggling actress, <laughs> being a struggling actress. It's but yeah, it's, it's also it's not even it's not just colors, which is also a good point. Like there's lots of different ways. It's kind of what I wanted to get into with this one is like all the different ways you can represent sort of like the feel of the original thing using different like physical elements. Even Kirsten Dunst, her hair is like unreally red. <laughs> no, I agree. I was just thinking about that. Yeah. yeah. Well, and there are certain things you can do, like, kind of easing that way from color. We've talked about before where, it, before you even get to the point where you're, like, color correcting or anything, mm -hmm. it's about matter of, well, so Scott Pilgrim's playing right now. Scott Pilgrim is my personal go-to, this is how to make a comic book into a movie example. Yeah. Um, have you seen it, Ricky? Scott Pilgrim? Yeah. I own it, like, twice. Okay. <laughs> just, I love the movie. Right. I, I own it book. twice. Checking. That's awesome. Um, the the colors in that one are actually pretty normal, except that every They're character not. has like one really bright. Well, we were talking about this. You were talking yeah. like how people have like actually kind of muted colors, except for one. No, that's They'll true. Have, like one really bright color on them that sort of like identifies them. Like like uh, the first evil ex boyfriend is the one that I'm thinking of With initially. The, the striped shirt. Right. He is. He's pretty much just like gray and tan, yeah. but he has these really bright green stripes going across on his shirt. They're not yeah. green. They're not green? Aren't they like maroon? I thought it was green. I might be confusing He has like black one. hair and he's got like... They're a weird Matthew, color, but I'm Matthew pretty sure it's like maroon. I thought it was green stripe. I, I also... It, it, maybe they were in the comic or something. I don't remember. Maybe yeah. I'm also just colorblind, but... Yeah, you are. This <laughs> is a bad decision. Um, but like Ramona, right? Her hair every single time she shows up is like a new bright color. And everything else she wears and, is like well, muted yeah, greens, then, browns, right. blacks. And Scott usually has like some kind of bright t-shirt or... He's got a lot of yellows. Um, yeah, he does have yellow a lot. Uh, the, the lead singer of the band has really like bright orange hair also. And I think some color on his, on his jacket somewhere. Um, we talk about... He punched the highlights out of her hair. Right, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> so it's, like, it's interesting because you can, like, highlight different... Like, there's different ways to highlight color and stuff. 
Um, I feel like there's lots of different directions like you can come from with the whole adaptation is, thing, and that, that one did a lot of them. Yeah, that's like aesthetically amazing on literally every right. single thing you could like. I think by the end of this podcast, we should pick out of out of the arbitrary selection of options we brought up. We should select which movie is the best adaptation of its original thing, purely in terms of visuals. So I might end up picking Wonder Woman. Okay, <laughs> I'm willing. I'm willing to hear Actually, all the arguments. So it I, has the Nolan like. It's not Nolan, it's the other one. I know, but... Zack Snyder. And I love everything he's ever made just because of the visuals in it. Like, I consistently, apparently like like, all of his movies. It has the browns, the grays, the blacks that I don't like on my bright, colorful superheroes. I like the browns, the grays, the blacks on my dark, brooding superhero one, Batman. (laughs) I thought... Well, okay, I think... I was really curious to see how they were going to make Wonder Woman into, like, a... Like, I'm not modern so much, but a real person with a real costume that makes any sense. And mm-hmm. I thought they did a perfect job on her costume. Like, I'm not a huge fan of, like, muting all of the colors. I think Spider-Man 2, The Amazing Spider-Man, was actually a great example of not muting colors and having it work really well. But I still really enjoyed the way that they did. I mean, it, it's all in all a fairly dull movie. because there's, But there's also a lot of, like, war scenes. It was a pretty dull, uncolorful time. Specifically for that movie but I actually really liked the way they translated Wonder Woman into a visual movie a lot I thought her costume was great outside of the actress that they got I think all of the other actual Amazonian looking women were great like I I actually thought they did a really great job with the the visuals of that movie it looked like a video game actually I remember saying kind of did in a couple places but it looked like it looked like Soul Calibur specifically like it looked like more of the the darker grittier video games I wouldn't consider Soul Calibur darker well that's a good point that's one of the more colorful fighting games I guess when I think when I think of video games like you think like Gears of War Call of Duty like the dark gritty at some point they did that with video games too there's a time and a place for dark gritty sure dark gritty definitely belongs I didn't think one of them was dark or gritty it was it was dull. No, I think it's you, definitely you not. It's gray. definitely not dark gritty. It's not Man of Steel dark gritty. Right. Never saw that, but don't worry, you didn't miss anything. I have the trailer yeah. rolling. You'll, you you can see some of the images from it at least. From at Wonder Woman. Um, from Man, Man of Steel. Steel. Oh okay. Um, I I guess the kind like, is it always so we we're kind of oversaturated with the dark and grittiness, but it's, like some things might work better with it. I guess the question is like, is it always necessary to do the bright, colorful superhero also? Because I know that's always. like your preference, and it's also my preference most of the time. But, but like, I, like I can, I can respect. Like, she, I mean, she is going through World War One, and it was, it was brighter and co- more colorful when she was like in her island or whatever. Like yeah, that was like the color. The color really changed beautiful. very drastically when she entered London. Also, and, like, how the are real you going to give her her actual costume and not make her look like McDonald's? <laughs> like, there's well, just the... no way to do that. Her headband couldn't have been yellow without it looking like McDonald's, and then red, blue, and yellow. Like, that's a big question with stupid. like all of them, though. And Marvel like, actually does an amazing um, job America specifically of taking. Like, I don't know who Marvel hired to make their costumes, yeah. but they do the most incredible job I've ever seen of taking these impossible, ridiculous-looking costumes from the comic books and making them completely functional and make total sense Except in real life. Wolverine's actual costume. And that will never happen. Right, they ever. still never managed to do that. But if anybody could, they could. Because they made, like, yeah. Ant-Man and Captain America and, like, all these other people that just have pretty stupid-looking costumes, honestly, like, on paper, into things that actually look real, like, yeah. that could actually exist. Yeah. The Captain America, in that movie, like, he's got the stupid costume on, but he's, like, he's a, like, he does what he's supposed to do. He's, he's like, right. he, he is bright, 
and he is like a very bold and like colorful figure. Right. He's that shining beacon of hope that they want him to be. You right. Know? He's an easier one actually, just because right. that is his character. He just needs to be. He can be amongst all the grays and the the like darks, the greens and stuff like that, and he just stands out, and that's yeah. what you want him to do. It's interesting because there there are actually very specific design elements on all of the Marvel costumes that kind of match. I've noticed like all the skin tight Marvel costumes have certain like stitch lines in the same places and have like these shoulder things that I've always noticed too. Like Spider Man and Captain America both have these angles on the shoulders that sort of like accentuate the muscle a bit and stuff. Yeah, the costume design is amazing. It's 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 just interesting because I know like in the comics the reason the reason superheroes wear spandex is because comic artists didn't want to draw cloth. So they were like, right. we're going to draw people, we're going to color them yellow, and we're going to say they're wearing some skin-tight thing. And they right. made it spandex, because that kind of makes sense, I guess, because that's what spandex does. Right. But it's like, I actually, I know from experience, because I tried to make Rodriguez's costume in real life, turning cartoon stuff into real stuff is actually really hard. Because right. when I drew Rodriguez's costume, I was not considering how any of this would function if it existed on a physical person. Right. So then when I'm having to like like make an actual version of this for me to wear, I start running into all these problems that never even occurred to me. So I, I have uh, I have a lot of respect for the costume designers over at Marvel. Hey, look at this man. Look, this is Man of Steel. Like, where do you, what do you think of when you, when you think of Superman? You, none of these colors are what you think of. I didn't know Amy Adams was in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she was. It was it's, I didn't love Amy Adams. So one of my the text is gray. One of my least favorite things that movies will do with colors is when they do the blue mood scenes. People are blue. Oh and yeah. That bothers me so much. It just like, like a blue filter over the whole thing. Like the Spider-Man kissing in the rain scene is great because the people are people colored in the rain. Right. Because rain doesn't make you not people colored. Like even when it's overcast, people still are colored. So it's, I, like, my least favorite thing is a lot of, like, what that trailer just was, which is a filter so strong that the skin tones are even slightly, like, medical looking. Like when you're in a hospital. Oh, yeah. And then there's, like, so they already look like they're under fluorescent lights. And then there's a weird blue filter to almost counter the green filter. And then people are all just weird colored. Yeah. It's one of my least favorite things. Well, I, th I think it's also, like, character design-wise... Uh, the one thing DC I don't think does as well is make the characters stand out as much, which I actually think they did better with in Wonder Woman because they kept yeah. her outfit very simple. It's it's kind of the thing of like like in in Marvel movies, if you see the lineup of characters, you can pick out exactly who every character is immediately, right? It's because they use those really big bold colors. Mm -hmm. DC goes the route of making it more grungy. It's like detail. Like, Aquaman's got crap hanging off of him everywhere. I could not draw the Aquaman or the um, Cyborg costume, I don't think, from memory very yeah. well because of just how much is going on. I'm pretty sure... Like, I could take most Marvel characters and do a pretty, like... Because they're they're iconic, right? It's like, yeah. Captain America, how do you do him? Big A, stripes on the middle part, little wingy things on his head. Like, you do these specific things, and it's like, that stands out as that character. Right. And sort of like the DC lineup is like kind of like the same shape of dude <laughs> all right. kind of lined up wearing different versions of like really complicated outfits. Yeah, um, DC doesn't always do the best visuals, but I in still the movies, think specifically. I thought Wonder Woman was the best of all DC of them. DC movie. I, I actually do what? think Wonder Woman was DC movie. better yeah. because just because of the simplicity. I don't know if that they'll keep up with that or if they'll like give her a more complicated outfit later on or anything, but I, it's almost... I, I think that worked only because they had so little to work with, actually. 
like costume wise, like actual like oh, existing fabric wise. Sure. There's not much you can add to that. Yeah. Like Batman's fully covered. You can hang whatever you want off of Batman. Like you can just <laughs> add all sorts of stuff on top of him. He was, yeah. he was dressed as Iron Man in the latest movie or something. Mm-hmm. I didn't see it. I just saw the trailers as Iron Batman. Like I, you can do whatever you want with his costume. Hers is very limited. Speaking of which, I feel like Cyborg is going to be in the... He's in the new movie just because he's Iron Man. <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah. They're like, we need an Avengers. I'm like, oh no, we need an Iron Man. It's like, well, we got Batman. He's Tony Stark. Yeah, but he's not Iron Man. Okay, we'll make an Iron Man. A literal Iron Man. Yeah. And then when he, oh, when he like, when like the face mask pulled over his face in the trailer, I was just like, stop. Cyborg looks stupid. In the in the trailer, I am yeah, and I I don't <clears throat> pretty and, unhappy well, because I, I started watching Teen Titans with you too yeah, and that that version of him again there's like such a noticeable it's the hard part of turning cartoons into real life but I know it can be done because I've seen Marvel do it yeah there's a noticeable silhouette on the most recognizable characters yeah uh, it's Valve actually talked about this in the commentary for Team Fortress Two. Mm-hmm. When they were designing the Team Fortress 2 lineup, they actually made sure of three specific things. They first made sure that every character had a completely unique silhouette, so that even across the map, you knew exactly who you were looking at. Right. You were looking to be like, that's the sniper, or that's the heavy. Yeah. And then the next thing was they put color in all the right places, so that even at a distance, all these patches of color coalesced into either red or blue, so you knew what team they were on. Mm-hmm. And then their entire outfits have lines on them that all point toward their center, Mm-hmm. So that your vision is immediately drawn toward the weapon they're holding. Interesting. So you look at them and you have like two seconds, you know, class, team, weapon. You know exactly who you're going up against and there's never any confusion at all. Yeah. Well, so I think... Oh man, what was I going to say? You... It was... I had Did it I interrupt? Some, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. You interrupted by, by, by continuing talking, so you didn't <laughs> really actually interrupt. It's just my thought was, was shifted for... Um, some reason. It was about Wonder Woman? No, it's about Cyborg. That's what it was. Oh, okay. Um, so the Cyborg that they made, if they threw in a little bit of what they did with Electro in The Amazing Spider-Man, and they just combined these two ideas... The blue glowiness. Yeah. Then they actually would just create a really cool Cyborg. Like, that's... Yeah. That They just needed those effects and some of that design and just throw it on the one they already have. And, like, maybe... <laughs> But I also have yeah. no idea how they're going to do that character. Cyborg is not a dark... I mean, he's... It's not, like, that dark of a gritty character. Yeah. I, I think that's kind of what it is. It's like... Neither it's, Aquaman, We though, talked so. last time about how, it, like, like no no way of making a movie is wrong. Just have a reason for doing it. Sure. And it's sort of like... Like, the visual should go into that, too. The visual should match the tone of the movie and the theme that you're trying to create. Mm-hmm. So it's like... I don't, I don't mean to just be taking this entire podcast and be like, here's what we like, and this is correct, and everything else is stupid. Right. It's more just like... Like what you're saying, like Cyborg is a specific kind of character, and making him look like a Michael Bay Transformer kind of implies yeah. different characteristics than is normally associated with him. Yeah. Isn't like a big role of like animated movies, like stuff like that, like, uh, like the rule is like you can do whatever you want, you can make anything in the animated, but you just have to know why. Right. Well, that's how it's it like, should be. That that is, that is actually the rule with any storytelling at all. Right. Animations sure. do actually take that to heart a lot more. I've found than than live action like, films do. Why, why mm. is this character? I think it's because of how much time you have to spend on it. It's like we have to draw this character over and over and over again. Let's decide how he's going to look and make sure we know exactly why we're doing that. Yeah. Right. But it's like it's like beyond that. Like like. like Vendetta, I think. Yeah. Vendetta. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Okay. Also, a comic book movie. Have not actually seen it through the trailer in here. It is a comic book movie. Yeah. Oh wow. That is another. Is it Frank Miller? Did he do that one? And along with Three Hundred and Watchmen, or is that a different person? I 
Do none of us know? I can't. I apologize to everybody listening if I said the wrong artist, but. V for Vendetta is amazing. You know, it's another really good comic book movie that looks. It looks very good, but actually, like, the movie's actually awful. What? But it does look very good. Which one? It's. Oh, man. Oh, I'm gonna mess this up now. Because there's two, and they came out at the same time, and they're both very similar in concept and very similar in design. Aeon Flux. Oh, yeah, Aeon Flux. But the other one is Ultraviolet. But I don't know what Ultraviolet is. Which one was Aeon Flux? I, Aeon I know Flux that name. Aeon Flux is Charlie's... Because I've, I've told you about it, and I really want you to watch it. She's like, oh, right. Like, all those, like... She has got, um... It's a dystopian society. This uh, Charlie's Theron plays action hero Charlie's right. Theron. Yeah, you showed me the trailer for this. I remember. Yeah. The one with the, with the blades of grass. Yes, that's the blades like, of grass. That's <laughs> one of the most memorable parts of that movie. I she's a friend who has feet for hands also. I freaking love that movie. <laughs> what I what no, it's it's like a weird. Uh, there's some sort of like inner society thing that they have to breach or something like that. I love the way that movie looks, but to the be fair, movie's awful, but it does look very good. It looks amazing. I watched it when I was a kid. The trailer looked really '90s. I haven't. I didn't actually see the movie. I just you showed me the trailer and it looked like it looked '90s colorful. Which is like slightly bloomy usually. It is, is what yeah, that it is. is it like, is slightly bloomy, but I love bloom. You've seen my photography. That's true. Bloom is like my favorite thing. I'm just like you pump would love up half life. All the saturation, and bloom it out, and then it's fine. Half life. Half life. I would. Half life two is gray bloom, and really interesting for you to play that and just see what you think about its color palette. It's a really, really weird color palette. I really really like bloom, and it's it's interesting because I don't like high saturation. I don't like high contrast, and I hate grit. Yeah. So once you bump up saturation and contrast and then bloom it out, I'm fine with it. I think that looks best. So we oh, were, I also love visuals on 300. Yeah. We were talking about, about 300 is great. Frank Miller, or not Frank Miller, sorry. Once again, there's Frank a time. There's a time for like that, like... Snyder, Zack Snyder. He doesn't do Superman well, but Zack he does 300 Snyder. great. I love Because that's his style. Because that's what it... That's, this is where these colors belong. Right. It's where this style belongs. That's like, his visual style. Like one accented book. color and a bunch of just like muted darker colors. Now, I, Zack Snyder looks like a photographer gone into like videography. Like he, Does kind every of. single shot he has, I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes, they're all amazing. And then it's just a continuation of a beautiful shot. I'm not going to like, his colors aren't Seeds if they're blue. Oh, they're okay, freaking yes. blue. <laughs> freaking hate that. But I love like every single visual Zack Snyder has ever done. Is that Cersei? What? Well, it's like uh, this this is the bronze movie, right? That's what this one is known for. It is, it is the movie that is bronze the entire way through. This wasn't the half naked men movie? I, I usually I mean in, in regards to color, that's not really the topic of the podcast, but I suppose it is also that. <laughs> but I haven't seen that before. And I no. totally loved seeing it. Right, and it was I really it was cool. Great. And that, that's, that's kind of what it's like. It's. I was a little confused there for a second when you were like, "I haven't seen that before," and I was like, "Half Naked Men, the movie." Or <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he did this I, I one. He did Watchmen, which I also think looked good. I, there are mixed opinions on how that, that movie actually turned out, but it looked good. And it like those those fit his style because the original book was really heavy like black ink stuff it's frank miller comics specifically have a certain look to them that don't look like superman they look like these really really high contrast drawings uh-huh like like the blacks in those books those are black for which like one sorry in in like actual the comic of 300 and oh, okay. in, uh watchmen and v for vendetta gotcha it is it is like like dark black and white contrast ink. especially when it like slow motions a lot in the, in the movie 300 right 
what it almost makes it look like, right, is it looks like paintings that are moving. Yeah, is what yeah. It, looks yeah like. it does. Yeah. And, yep. like, um, and, like, the best way possible, too, you know. So what yeah. is what would what would your pick be if you had the off the top of your head? Favorite. Is that the one that you're going for? Yeah, it is. What it is, is what would your pick be for like best adaptation of its original? Like how close it is to what it like actually looked like in the Yeah, or, not just or how your close but yeah, or just yeah, your favorite interpretation because there are there are versions there was a thing people did briefly for comic book movies or things people tried to do where they actually would I've seen things with comic panel frames on them. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, uh, I can't think of any examples. Hulk. Did the Hulk do it? The the two thousand and three Hulk or two thousand and four Hulk? Yeah, the one that's just called Hulk. Yeah. Did they do the comic panel thing? They do like the, oh my god. They're, they're okay. <laughs> the Hulk has like the worst transitions in any movie ever. Oh god! Made. Do they like zoom out of the comic page? And they back zoom into out of the comic oh page and back into oh the god. comic page. Yeah, that is so. So people did that for a while because it was like they just didn't know how to translate the feeling of watching or of reading a comic to watching a movie, which is actually the reason that I like Scott Pilgrim so much, and I'll get to that, but I'm curious to hear what is your favorites. What would, what would be your, your go-to example of, like, a good adaptation of, of like its original sort of, thing? Sort of, like, of a comic, I would save a video game if they were good video game movies. There aren't. But there are not. I love the way that looks too. Yeah, the Watchmen turned out really, really good looking. I think. I think, yeah, I definitely. Because it looks like the comic book. Is this Zack Snyder too? This is also Zack Snyder. Okay, Zack Snyder is easily my favorite visual. Honestly, it's a tough one for me. I want to say Raimi Spider-Man, but another one that I really think, and it hasn't come up yet, is really good with like the comic book look and feel. Yeah. Um. Electra knew it. No, <laughs> kick ass. Okay. Oh, kick ass! Like in the scenes when he like oh. like that one like also like it transitions very well because like it has like it has Those like colors. the like real world scenes and those look just like real you know mm-hmm. real life scenes but then when he's when he is kick ass and they start like especially as the, the adventures start escalating it just becomes more and more comic book and like the colors become more ridiculous the weapons become giant and huge the 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 violence, of course, just spirals out of hand. The blood splats, the everything like that. Like especially, especially, I'm thinking of like Kick Ass Two. I know a lot of people don't. A lot of people don't talk about Kick Ass Two. <laughs> I don't think I remember Kick Ass Two. But like, oh yeah, I do. That one, I like that one actually. I yeah. like. I love both of those movies. Yeah, no, it definitely. It does like a unique thing where it does like it does both. You know what I mean? Yeah. It does like the normal like. These are just people living in a world. There's nothing comic book about it. Right. And then it transitions into like, comic this book. looks like a comic book now. That's they gave neat. him like a full green outfit. And then yeah. the other chick has got a full purple outfit. They did a great job on the visuals of that and movie. And then the red mist, red and black yeah. outfit. And you got even like the the, cam- the camo-ish outfit from Jim Carrey in the second one. Yeah. And then you have uh, the Batman outfit. Um, uh, They're all Nick great, Cage. actually. I wow! I didn't realize how underrated Kickass was in terms of visual superhero esque movies. Just because no one's talking about it, but yeah, like it's like, great. What, like well, have, you, have you read the comics of Kickass at all? Like, is that something that you've like? Do you have, have like a comparison of one, how right? it looks to the original? Right. No, in the first one, and uh, the thing is, like, it looks like a movie, and even up to the point where like he's just fighting normal people when he's just fighting normal people in the costume suit, like it just looks like. That's some, like, nerd in a suit fighting, like, regular people or whatever, right? 
But then when like when the comic book heroes and villains begin fighting each other, yeah, it switches into like yeah, it does completely like straight from the comic book sort of look. I'm not sure that it has to look like a comic book to be like worth it. Right, right, right. For or to sure. be a good adaptation. Right. But like, it has to look like the source material is the kind of the main thing, which is why I think... What um, do you mean? What do you mean it has to look like the source material? Well, if we're talking about like a good adaptation, you want it to evoke the same feeling that the original thing did, right? Like Zack Snyder, sure. the ones that you're pointing at that Zack Snyder did, those look... Like, those are really good because if you look at a screenshot of the Watchmen movie, that looks like the Watchmen comics. Right, he definitely captured the essence of it. I see what you're saying. Right. And uh, I, I think... That's why, that's why I think there's a disconnect for so many people on DC stuff. Yeah. Because whether it's him or whether it's somebody else doing it, you don't really get that same feeling of like, yeah. I'm looking at a panel from right. a Superman comic or something. That's it, like it, nobody's Superman. Right, yeah. It's, nobody wanted that new, Superman. It's, a, it's, like it's a new version, and I think that's actually a different conversation of like whether or not that works like yeah. as its own thing, like like taking an adaptation or, or taking a taking artistic liberties on like an existing property sort of. Yeah. But like as far as adaptation goes, it's like that's why like the, he specifically is really well suited to the those other movies that he did because like three hundred he just shot the comic panels basically and he made them look fantastic. Like they yeah. look they, they evoke the exact same feeling. Yeah. And it sounds like Kick Ass probably does a similar thing. Where right. it actually gives you the feeling of have the not, comic. Have you not seen Kick Ass? I haven't actually. I, I had it oh recommended to me God. a lot when I was making the guards themselves, oh. but never got around to watching it. Wow! I don't believe that. That's ridiculous. I can't believe you've not seen that. I'm yeah, really. I, yeah, I haven't seen it. It's you know it, it's one of those movies that really bothered a lot of people. Yeah, I've heard I've heard people talk but about parts of it that bothered them. But not because it was a bad movie. It just like it like it kind of just like. Like struck people wrong. Right, I heard some people talk about like like the little girl just like murdering people and it being played for laughs, oh, that kind of thing. So good. <laughs> like that's I don't know. Like, like I think so I good. might find issue with that, but I will watch it. No, you won't. I don't to... think you will actually. I don't think you will with the way that they do it. Yeah. Like it's ah oh, that movie. Especially is the second so one, good. it just like is ultra violent. So it looks like sorry, just to just to completely change the the topic here. That's but right, I'm, looking at a, I'm looking at Assassin's Creed trailer playing right now. Which I also didn't see and have no intention of seeing. We didn't time this. But it's... I, I'm watching. I'm the oh, recorder. Okay. Um, every time it cuts to the the freaking science lab scenes, everything turns blue again, like what you were talking about. Everything turns like, blue. The colors I think of with, when I think of Assassin's Creed, the only color I can think of is whites. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. it's like the, the animus, the white, whole weird, like, bright reds. Yeah. And yeah, that's, that's true. It's so weird that people can't do white well. Because what they ended up doing is doing like a fluorescent green blue thing, and that's how mm -hmm. they make things look sterile or white or clean, which is weird because I like I even think the original Spider-Man's whites were some of the best whites you could do in a movie. Because yeah. they just look like white. They just left it like you don't have to touch it. It's okay yeah. if things just almost look like real life for the sake of lacking all of the other colors. Right. Like, that's okay. Technically, white is containing all of the other colors. Well, yeah, but not, like, if, you, if you're if you in a white room and yeah. you light a blue I'm light. I'm being obnoxious, that's all. I'm sorry. Well, go away. <laughs> the door's that way. Get out. That is a good point, though. Like, not a lot of people do, like, the white just with some color, and that looks really good. Right. And actually, the immediate thing that comes to mind is Mirror's Edge, the video game. Never played it's, it. It is it is a parkour game. Oh. Um, it is all white. white. Like the whole, you're out in the city, 
It's like you're in all these different locations. It's entirely white hmm. with like occasional and, like red. Whites and grays and, and everything that's red is your path. Right, yeah. So it's like you right. run toward the red parts and it's like really... And I think games huh. actually are another good example. It's almost like... It's like in movies, color, I think, comes later in, mm-hmm. in, like, in the production process. Yeah. And I'm saying this as completely as a culprit of this because I do not consider color until the very last step for the most part. Like and uh, I, I think, how my shirt looked exactly the same color as the necklace. Right, yeah. I, I don't even think about it. And I think people... I, I have some excuses for that. They're not good excuses, but I can at least throw out like eyeball disabilities. But... Other people, like professional filmmakers, I almost think sometimes don't consider the color as much as video games and animators and comic artists might because that plays a much bigger role almost in what they're making. Because like Mirror's Edge works because of the color, obviously, right? And like when you're when you're doing an animation, you're you're designing every little speck of that image from scratch. So all these different things are set up. Like in I remember seeing in Disney movies. Um, uh, I saw a behind-the-scenes thing in a Disney movie where they were talking about all the different backgrounds they've used for the movies. Have something that they were calling the the uh, the pool of light or something, where the whole background would be actually darkened except for this area that was lit up, which is where the action was happening. And they very very specifically like draw the scene to look to to point inward toward the action. Even though there's a lot of stuff going on around you, they would like use lighting and like all these little like tweaks that. I guess yeah, that I don't personally think about when making movies quite as much and that I think kind of go by the wayside a bit more. There is a perfect example of the white thing, which is actually we have the seasons of community. Mm-hmm. And which one had the extended clip ones? Oh yeah, what episode Season was that? It was it was the two. Valentine's Day episode, I think. So in in the in the the I guess the ones you can buy. The DVDs, They yeah. show you unedited uh, clips that they that they didn't put into the show. Oh, so yeah. they're just like, it's just what they filmed. And it's green. So they actually color correct the original footage to look most like real life. And by doing that, it comes across as absolutely no color whatsoever, like implied in the shot, which makes it white. That is a white balanced shot. And that's so totally allowed <laughs> but no one does it in movies. They yeah, do it for true. community, which makes sense. It's like a you know a I guess comedy because it, yeah, it's supposed to feel like like real, right? But it's you can like a you, real world like you can use that. They don't do it in. I assume they don't do it in like comic book superhero movies stuff because of all the feelings you can portray with colors. Yeah. So they just kind of don't For even lack of colors. Yeah. Right. <laughs> They'll, they'll imply a feeling with colors because you can. Yeah. But it's also okay for things to just, you know, look like real life. Right. So, so what's your, um, what's your argument for Scott Pilgrim? So my thing for Scott Pilgrim is when I'm sitting, I, I read the books also, and there's a, there's they also shot for shot remade a lot of Scott Pilgrim, which I thought was really cool. Like you can go look at the panel in the book of uh-huh. like him in front of his uh, showing off his old house. Right. And the artist drew that house off of an existing house. So for the movie, they went and shot at that house. Right. So the shot of Michael Sarah and whoever plays Knives, I don't know her name, is are standing in front of the house. If you compare that side by side to the comic panel, it's actually just the same shot, which is really cool. Yeah, I like that. But the main thing for me is when I'm when you're sitting there reading a comic, there's a distinct feel of reading a comic book. When when people are writing the comics, 
they draw the panels to lead your eye from each one to the next one. Mm-hmm. So that be, just to enhance the experience of reading the comic is just part of the art. Right. You're sort of like leading them into each next next thing. Yeah. And the transitions in Scott Pilgrim match that feeling so well to me that it's the closest I've ever felt watching a movie to being like, I'm, I'm seeing a visual moving version of a comic book. Because yeah. it'll have these things where it's like, like the one scene, like all the lights go out and then the door opens in the darkness and then he flips the light on and is in a different location. Or like it's not just swish panned, it's not zooming out of the comic page and zooming right. back into another panel. It's like, it's physical transitions using what you can create with film that give the same sense of that fluidity, like being able to just like, like just skimming your eyes over a page basically. And really interesting. I, I, that I thought was really cool. I, the first time I watched that movie, when I walked away, one of the main things on my mind was the transitions from the movie. Because I had never noticed a film's and transitions before. The pacing of that movie. And the pacing, oh. right. I mean, it was, it was good for a... Like, there's lots and lots to say, like, positive things to say about it. That, that was just, in regards to the, to the topic at hand, that was one of the main things that I noticed, was that it actually really felt like a visual... Like a, well, comics are visual. Like a, like a film version of a comic. Yeah, I agree. No, and that's hard because you can't really... So what I, can't, what I can say is I can't argue against you at all because you're totally right. But I also think 300 and Kick-Ass are great contenders for visual, from film adaptations of original comic books. Because Kick-Ass, it's, it sucks because you haven't seen it. But I would argue that it's better at all of the things that you were just talking about. Maybe not transitions. I don't remember the transitions in Kick-Ass. But nothing. I I remember watching that and being like, "This is just a comic book." Yeah. Like comic book comic book creators made this. Comic book fans made this. Like costumes are comic book people. Like it just it it really I'm, screams all I, of those I things. I am I'm staking my Scott Pilgrim on the transition because that's the one thing that that it, that I have <laughs> with it that I don't think the other movies replicate as well. Its transitions are good. Yeah. Because there are lots of other things that it does, but I do think like the other films that you're bringing up also do some of those things really well too. Because there are there are a lot of examples of you know, using, as we have spent half the show talking about colors, obviously that's something that people, some people do really well. Like, it's, uh, there are lots of good examples and bad examples of color. Are there, what, what else, so, color aside. I have, I have a lot, uh, speaking of transitions, aside. I have a lot I don't like about the Avengers movies. But one thing I do like is when they transition in the action scenes from character to character, and they camera pan through the action and it, you naturally land following the action on another character. Yeah. Like, so you have like, because you have like a, a bunch, because there's a, a ton going on in both Avengers movies. Right. And so it's like, it's like, well, you have this scene with like Black Widow and Hulk, and that scene ends with Hulk crushing a thing, and then you follow that until you like, he passes up with Thor crushing right. more instead things. of just cutting, you and like then move on that, to the next guy. and then he like lands and is talking to Hawkeye. And now we have the next scene, right? And then like Hawkeye then shoots, 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 and then there's Quicksilver there, and now Quicksilver and Hawkeye are discussing things, and like that sort of like transitioning without cutting almost, and they definitely do cut to like the different camera angles, but like. That, like, pan with the action to transition to the next set of characters in the scene, that really works in the Avengers movies. Yeah, you're right. They do that really yeah, well. Yeah, that, that was a great point. I think um, other things to really think about in terms of visuals that aren't color are actual, like, it would be casting, it would be costumes, it would be... Um, casting is a good point. I wasn't even thinking about that. 
Casting's a, a big one, because, right, that that's, is, I mean, when you, when you literally read comic books growing up, you go, I want this person. This is exactly who I think this person is in real life. That's true. And then they have to cast that person. There's and always a whole thing do, where, yeah. Because Wonder Woman was kilt. She was kilt <laughs> for me. She was freaking dead now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, Just that's a good like point. That, like, like casting's Wonder a really big deal, because, I mean, it's... It's a literal, actual visual interpretation of a two-dimensional drawing character. That's actually an excellent point. I wasn't even thinking about casting in terms of this, but that is, that like, is actually a really big part of that. Toby Ward does look a lot like yeah. the old Spider-Man comic. He does, actually. Uh, Peter Parker. Yeah. And his acting and delivery is not the best, but his facial expressions are over-exaggerated and big. Yeah. Well. And that is what... They needed to be because that's what they are in like the old comics, you know. And yeah, if we're talking about like on point casting, we may as well just jump straight to the best casting of any comic book character of all time, which was J. J. Jonah, Jonah Jameson, Jameson casting J.K. Simmons. Who? What are you talking about? In in the original Spider-Man movies, J.K. Simmons Spider-Man's. as J. Jonah Jameson. Oh oh oh! I see. Like that's the um. The, the, the newspaper guy. It is an, okay. That's... Yeah. Like it. Like it, like if you're talking about like the sure. like. I didn't read those comic books. If if but he was great. Have you ever seen drawings of the character? No. I'll have to show them to you after the podcast because he looks literally identical exactly. down to every detail. See, it is amazing. I think that that used to be a much more important thing. Yeah. During like the original the original desire to make superhero movies, people were I like, agree. we have to get the right person. Because you wanted That's to bring that thing. character onto the screen, right? Yeah, you didn't want exactly. an interpretation of them. You wanted like them. William Defoe. Well, yeah. Like, like yeah. Yeah, yeah, he did a great job. <laughs> Willem Dafoe, like the thing is, like Raimi cast a bunch of people who could make big facial expressions <laughs> and over exaggerated movements, exactly, and be bigger than the panels, you know, bigger than the screen. <laughs> yeah, that's what he did. Like, that does. Aunt May is like the most expressive old woman I've ever seen <laughs> yeah, in my life. Yeah. Even when they're like doing like like a uh, personal. Like, really intense conversation between two people, and she's, like, talking really quietly. Her face does, like, all these different things that, I'm, like, my face never does when right. I'm having, like, personal conversations with people. And then James Franco is in there, and he has a lot of facial time, you know. Yeah, yeah. James uh, Franco. His yeah. acting's actually good, and then he has to stare, star, or stare, right. with uh, Mary Jane, and uh, she does not do good. Well, and, I, right. and that's been that was like that was like one of the biggest complaints about the Amazing Spider-Man movies, right? Is that nobody really bought Andrew Garfield as Peter Parker because he didn't feel like the same character they were used to from the other iteration of the comics. It didn't bother me as much, but I know that it bothered other people he a lot. He mumbles and he he does mumble. Why is mumbling like, bad? I don't huh? understand. Peter Parker seems like exactly the type of person that would mumble. And well, and, and I I agree, and I think that's actually part of the think. difference, though, between like having an ad like an uh, uh, an interpretation of that character uh, rather than just like, like putting that character was. for face value on oh, the screen immediately. Oh, you tell us orange and brown stripes oh, or okay. bla blue black. Well, then my eyes are just broken. Never mind. No, he's maroon. He's maroon. Um, but yeah, I think I think that's that's kind of the problem people have with with some of the casting like that. Yeah, that's why like you know the implications of that character. That makes sense. Yeah, well, and it's why it's it's the thing that horrible people go to when they're like, "Why are you making this character black? He's not black in the comics, right?" Like that's oh, that's I see. the so there there are ways. I, this isn't even necessarily a good argument for character portrayal. Yeah, it's just kind of it's a common one and it's kind of an understandable but, one. And I mean. This, that scene in Amazing Spider-Man 1 where he's like, come on, man. 
Give Megas camera. He's <laughs> like, what'd you say? What'd now, see, you? I really loved that version of Peter Parker, but it was not a comic book version of Peter Parker. It was a new version. Sure. And so I totally get why people didn't like it. And I think that's... that's but like, Tobey Maguire, like, he, like, lowers his head at the bully. He's like, yes, yeah, you know, he agrees, right. you know, he, entirely, you know. He just looks like the comic book character. And yeah. I, I think Marvel, actually, a lot of the Marvel Cinematic Universe has done a generally a really good job of casting. I can't really think of any, like, bad examples of their what, casting. I don't know what Tony Stark looked like. Uh, he looked like... He, I, I don't know what he looks like. He looks like Robert Downey Jr. Um, I went back, I have a book, I have a box in my closet of old comic books that my dad owned, and when that first movie came out, I went and picked out one of the Iron Man comics, and I opened it up, and there was a picture of Robert Downey Jr. drawn in that book. It was the same freaking face. It was actually almost the same thing as J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah. He was a perfect casting for that. And then they've even got Doctor Strange. Doctor, that was fantastic. Yeah, Marvel has actually done a really good job with casting and costume design. And they did the best, the second best casting of any superhero. <laughs> the, the... P- Vin Diesel. What? Oh. <laughs> as fruit. <laughs> right. Looks, yeah, ju- looks just the same. Well, I was actually thinking, I think one of the... the Who's so, a bad one? Well, so I was thinking uh, immediately Black Widow. It's uh, Green Lantern. Well, right. no, Marvel. Marvel. Who's who's the worst? Because oh. all the Marvels are good. So who's the worst casting option in Marvel as far as how they look in the comics? Do you think? Okay, so Ant-Man. who? What does Ant Man look like in the comics? Isn't Hank Pym? He well, he is. There's a there is a version where it's the character. It's like Hank Pym, and then it's Scott Lang later, which is who. Um, yeah. uh, Paul Rudd is playing, and I don't know who how he looks actually. I know nothing about Ant Man from the comic books. I don't think Elizabeth Olsen as Scarlet Witch makes a lot of sense, but I don't actually like. I know what she physically looks like in the comic books, yeah. But I have no idea what her personality is supposed to be like. She reminds me of Meredith Grey from Grey's Anatomy, <laughs> as like a as like a Marvel character. That's probably correct. Though the two like X Men that they brought in there boring. probably don't look very much like their original drawings, right? No, they actually because... look entirely well. Because they silver. can't, because they'd be in, infringing on Sony's. Right. Well, well, Scarlet Witch has like a. Well, she doesn't wear anything. Oh. Well, and the, she has well, like she's a, a female in a comic. That makes sense. She also has like a big head thing, like a big head helmety type thing headband. Oh. Like very, like Wonder Woman's, but on her head. Yeah. Sort of thing, if I'm remembering correctly. And in this one, they just gave her like a long coat or something like that. Like she's completely right. covered head to toe, and she's all like boring and dark and she twisty looks and cool. stuff. Like, those are my she only... Not, like, in, like, that's how I know those characters, because I But in I terms of casting, Elizabeth yeah. Olsen is Scarlet Witch. I was like, well, I don't know much about Scarlet Witch, but this is slightly underwhelming yeah. as a character, because, like, we have a female Avenger that isn't the Black Widow, because that went so well. Right. And it was still kind of like, oh. Black more. Widow looks on point. Yeah, no, I think Scarlett Johansson, as Scarlett Johansson in a black bodysuit, right. is great <laughs> casting for that character. It's just... That's also Scarlett Johansson in every other, like, in Lucy right. and in, like, you know, just... It's probably yeah. Topher Grace. Oh, God. It's Topher. probably Topher Grace. <laughs> I don't know if we can count that as a Marvel. Let's that was before they actually honest. started taking over. But yes, <laughs> you're correct. In a Marvel, in a movie on a Marvel and property... Of course, I will then argue it's Andrew Garfield. <laughs> I, will, I will go with Topher Grace. That's probably the worst. Topher Grace is who they cast as Venom. In the the Spider-Man movie as Eddie Brock. Uh, 
I guess that's probably one of the one of the worst ones, yeah. Because even like I was trying to think of some of the really early ones, but I think actually the casting on like the original Daredevil and Punisher and those things still didn't quite get as bad. I was say Ben Affleck's Batman, but that's we're not. We're ben Affleck as Daredevil still not as bad as Topher Grace's Venom. Yeah, I didn't think Ben Affleck was a bad Daredevil. I think he's yeah. a bad Batman. He plays a chin in both situations, so I'm not really sure it's fair to say he's, like, a bad as an adaptation version of that character. Yeah. Like, they're actually very, very similar roles. He plays a chin. That is. That's all you see of him. Like You're that's right. The also, a- the actually, I would say Ben Affleck as Bruce Wayne is perfect. When I first saw him in a trailer, I was like, that is exactly how I personally picture Bruce Wayne all the time. Like, he looks exactly like the kind of middle-aged, like, rich... Dude, like that I'm pictured, like the, the, in my head. Yeah. I don't know how much about. Again, Batman is a chin, so it's not that hard to play Batman. Also, but all, side tangent, side tangent about just like how like often origin stories get like reshown and reshown and reshown and reshown, right? Yeah. Tell me about uh, what is the thing that you think of the most with Batman's parents dying? Uh, rubber shoots them, they die, and he's like, uh, no, 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 they're like, in an alleyway. The, the scene, like what, like. No, no, like the pearls. The pearls. Oh. Pearls falling on the ground or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah I think I have actually yeah. seen some like comic that's panels of like, that. That's in like every like. Yeah, yeah, that might be from Batman Begins or something. I definitely I don't know where I'm getting the image from, but I do have that image in my head. Right. I have it. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> like them lying dead, pearls all over the ground. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, what else? <laughs> Well, so uh, composition would be kind of the other thing. That's a little tricky because literally you could break down every single scene of every single movie yeah. that might have, like, a good composition shot. I mean, it's... I don't know. I mean, if we're talking about visuals of movie and, like... Scott Pilgrim is the... It is the video game movie. It is the video game. That's it's, true. That one it's does the kind pop of, culture yeah. movie. Like, it's it it's is. a movie about a comic book about video games. Yeah. And does all of those layers really well. Yeah, I thought... I mean, Scott Pilgrim is... Easily, like, just one of the best movies ever made, though, so. <laughs> Which is I mean, weird, like, it, it shouldn't have worked. It's, like, one of those movies where it's well, just... A lot of people don't think so. It's, um, it, it didn't do very well. Spider-Man. Her name is Emma... Emma Stone. Stone, okay. Yeah. Uh, she's only cast... Like, she's fine as an actress. I feel like she gets cast a lot. But she was great at Gwen Stacy, like, she... I feel like she just gets cast a lot because her eyes are... <laughs> too big her eyes are way she does have cartoon big. eyes Emma Stone's not my favorite person but Gwen Stacy was my favorite like one of my favorite just yeah, women we, just women as a woman we talked screen. about that last time actually she was actually a really great like female side character in a Superman, superhero movie compared to other ones wait wait she was a really great female side character in a superhero movie right yeah. that sentence just in itself is it's a problematic sentence any... no i actually think it's a it's great definitely sentence. hit girl well okay i haven't seen the no, movie no hit yet, girl so. is her own superhero yeah right she is the superhero yeah in kick-ass i was thinking no, I'm saying like it's... as because every superhero movie featuring a male superhero which is every superhero movie is has like the girlfriend character I think Gwen Stacy was definitely the best of the girlfriend characters. We also we 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 talked about that last time. Not even we that. Go too far into the. Not even that though. Thing. It's really it's really easy to be a cool, fun side character, Ned from the newest Spider-Man. Well, right? yeah. Like, but we, we say that's easy, but we like we're specifically impressed by Ned because of how good of a version okay, of that character Ned, he was. Okay, Ned, Foggy, all of the other characters that are amazing. Uh, side you characters. won't argue about Foggy. 
What? Yeah, well, there, there are people who don't like Foggy. Foggy? Foggy, what? Foggy has a pretty vocal Foggy. Uh, negative. On. Refresh. refresh. Oh, uh, Foggy Daredevil. from Daredevil. From the oh, Daredevil yeah. series on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. People dislike Foggy because the, the, the argument against Foggy is that his entire role is telling Daredevil not to Daredevil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, who is the yes. guy in The Flash? Um, you know the one, the side character from The Flash, who is... Uh, I haven't watched The Flash. I've only the, heard the long, Reed complain the long about hair, The Flash. And he's no always, like, eating something. No idea who this is. I've only had Reed complain about how bad The Flash is. So it's I don't not <laughs> bad. It's really good. I'm just saying, she was a great not superhero, not main character, also side character, and girl. She was she one was of the character. best just characters right, to ever yeah. exist. Like, she was a great character. Now, because we're, we're just watching various uh, Scott Pilgrim things that are just on loop at this point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like, Knives is, like, one of the better characters, too. Like, she's a pretty good character. Yeah, they did a... They, they For, like, a character just... with, like, very little screen time, all of her screen time is great. Yeah. I mean... But then again, that's the whole movie, struck right? petty teenager, but yeah. She did a great job doing that character, I think. Which is, you know, there's something to be said for that. Because she's still memorable. Like, yeah. she, she is. But uh, She also makes a joke about her own last name, which is funny. Does she? Yeah, when she dives in, she's like, it's time to chow down. <laughs> right. Her name is nice. Not sure that's a plus. <laughs> huh? I said, not sure that's a plus. Yeah. It's but you're not sure plus. if that's original author or... There's, there's a lot of like weird Asian stereotype things in Scott Pilgrim, but the original author of the book was uh, Chinese-Canadian, I think. Oh. So he was like... I guess he gets a pass. Kind of played into them. Chinese, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I can, I can kind of see that. I guess. <laughs> Hadn't really thought about it. These are just. It is just Scott Pilgrim on. Yeah, like, I guess this one video I picked was like way longer than I thought it was. So yeah, are are there? That looked orange. Has anybody seen any? Do we have any example of video game movies at all? I mean, I've seen a lot of up? video game movies. Have you? Because I haven't seen many of them. Are there any that kind of? Like get the tone of the video game video across that you can think of, or have just no no movies accomplished it yet. No, like they're never like anything about the video game like at all. Like well, the Mario one. Oh like god, Mario the Mario one. one. Wait, what? Oh jeez. What? You don't know Mario about the Mario Mario Brothers movie? movie? No. It came out in the nineties. No. Eighties, so... isn't it? It's an eighties movie. I thought it was nineties. No I don't remember. It, it was. It was the Super Mario Brothers, the movie, and it was... It has nothing to do with... It is actually the exact antithesis of everything we've been talking about this entire podcast. Ah. You're somebody who got it and just did not give a crap about the source material. It did not matter. Like, it was was Mario and Luigi were two really grumpy, grungy plumbers in New York that find some weird toilet portal to the Mushroom Kingdom, which is like... There's Koopas, and the, because that's what they're called, because that's a, that's a word from the game, so they called them that, but it's people with dinosaur heads, and, hmm. and there's, like, Bowser is, like, a guy with a T-Rex head or something, right, or something? He's like, like, I, it's so he's like an actual person. It's such a terrible movie. It, it's just awful all around. Yeah, it's just, no, uh, they just did not, it, it was the early days of making any kind of adaptation movie, where it is, like, video games and comic books were real things. last name is Mario, <laughs> and Luigi's last name is... Also Mario. That's actually funny, because they are called the Mario Brothers, so it would be Mario, Mario, and Luigi, Mario. <laughs> That's a little funny. That's or, correct, actually. Or Luigi is just so second tier that he doesn't even get his name in the, like, the, in the Mario just... Brothers. <laughs> yeah. All right, so moving on, then. <laughs> so I guess the answer is no. There is no video game movie that has actually pulled this off I yet. I can't. Well, they, it only would have happened, like, outside of that example. 
recently. Right, it would have to be recent. Because video games only really started getting into that. The most recent is Assassin's Creed, which is playing where it just was playing, and but you it's haven't not seen good. that. I ha- I haven't, but it's got like a thirty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, and everybody loves the Amazing Spider-Man, also, right? Well, <laughs> no, no, I dislike the Amazing Spider-Man immensely. Okay. No, that's what I'm saying. It would be worth. Okay, fine. Yeah, it would be worth watching. I, I, I may, I may actually have different opinions on it. Yeah, um, I think it's. I, I would like to see it. We should do that. Maybe we should do another podcast on video game. On we should do a podcast on why have has all the video game movies been disappointing and watch like a selection of video game movies. Well, what's weird like, is Tomb Raider. I think Doom Zack Snyder could do it. Because that's so, maybe he makes he movies would, that look like video games. Okay, well, I like, think this actually is a mentality that I think messes up the video games, which is video games don't all look the same. I think Zack Snyder would be good at making some games. Like, if you gave Zack Snyder Gears of War, I think he could do that sure. really well. Yeah. But he couldn't do Portal. Right. Right. Like, like, you have to have, I think, different... Like, video games are as diverse as movies are, so making a good adaptation involves getting somebody... It just kind of involves caring enough about it. And yeah, Portal would don't. be hard, visually. I have heard that Valve is working with someone on a Portal movie. Actually. That would be really. I don't know dope. how accurate that is. Why? I don't know. I'm I'm very very concerned about it. It is Valve, and I've never had any reason to doubt anything Valve has ever done, except that mm-hmm. no one's ever accomplished a video game movie before. So I dig this idea. I yeah. I thought They're the same thing about so Assassin's afraid. Creed. Of making a third in any video game series. <laughs> yeah, they now have, they gotta do the movies first. They're just gonna make the movie. <laughs> it's amazing. Portal the movie. Portal the movie too. What next? What next? <laughs> no, that's where it ends. It yeah. has to. Yeah. Half Life Two Part Three. <laughs> no, no, that's still. Got I'm a waiting three in for it. that. I'm waiting for that to happen. Half Life Two Part Two Point Five. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Start naming them like Square Enix games. 385 over 2. There has to be video games that were missing that were turned into movies. Well, there were like there was a Tomb Raider featuring Angelina Jolie. That wasn't good. Right. There we was don't a talk Doom with The Rock. That also wasn't good. Right, we don't talk about that. <laughs> Prince of Persia, I think, probably was the best, but just because it was a formulaic Hollywood movie that wasn't horribly disappointing. Sure. That was it. Like yeah. it was it was the best because it was the only one that hit mediocre. Right. It just hasn't been done yet. I, yeah, I really no. thought Assassin's Street Creed Fighter was going to be... Awful. Oh, God, I forgot there was a Street Fighter. The Mortal Kombat movie is <laughs> oh really God. bad. So maybe this is just actually not a good idea. If no well, one can do but it. But everybody said the same thing about comic book movies until uh, X-Men came along and showed people how you could make them not look ridiculous. That's true. And then Spider-Man jumped through the window they opened... Yeah. And then Iron Man came by and made like actually almost like an like an award winning level film that happened so, to be about a you superhero. Put, like, you put like Iron Man one up so high. Yeah, it's and great. I like Iron Man one. Iron Man one's a good movie. It's, it's one of the a, best Marvel movies that exists. It's got a lot of great things going for it, right? But it is like the start. I don't of everything that current le- of the Marvel has done. I just can't like Spider-Man Two is way better. <laughs> I mean, you are you are actually in the minority on not liking Iron Man. For the, no, for I the, like for Iron Man. Very more. for the first time, I actually like have the backing of the general public behind me on how good a movie is with Iron Man because that's sort of like that is that is like the magnum opus of Marvel that like started the whole the whole thing. That was good. Spider-Man Two also was great. I will not argue the anything well, I about. Think- the thing about comics is they're a story, 
But they're a very minimized version of a story. So let's talk like, about my actual favorite. That's actually a good point, too. I'll give you that one. But video games are a full-done visual oh. story that is potentially better than any movie you could make off of what they've already done with That's the story. That's a good point. On that, sorry. Post, oh, you're good. <laughs> we'll come back to what you were going to say. That is actually a good point because my usual art, usually where I end up in discussions on how to make a good video game movie mm-hmm. is how about don't. Make a good video game? Because because video games don't need to be movies. They're already video games. Which and are... they work as video games because it's an entirely different type of storytelling. It's like an immersive movie. It like... is, yeah. Like, like the best video games aren't even kind of similar. Like, could never be turned into a movie because they are entirely due to player interaction. Yeah. And it's the way the world interacts with you. Right. So I thought Assassin's Creed would be good because it's just like, just make a story in the world of the game. You don't have to make yeah. it be like the game. Just... Different story, same setting, but it's not the same thing. But right. I, I actually think you're 100% correct. I think the best games cannot be turned into movies because of how good they are at being a game. Yeah. Yeah. All right, what was your point? I My point is not a point. My point is my favorite superhero movie. Oh, right. Isn't Spider-Man? No. Okay. It is not talked about a lot. In fact, it's very under... Uh, it was underrated movie... I feel ever. Yeah. It's it genre bends like it, it combines two genres. It combines superhero movies, and it combines found footage movies. Oh, are you talking about Chronicle? I am talking about Chronicle. The Chronicle is great because it perfects both at the same time. That was a dark like, one, right? Because like it, you have like. Uh, Oh man, Sin City just came on. We could talk for hours about Sin City. No, we but... can't because I haven't seen it. Oh, okay, never mind then. We can't talk about it. Um... I still haven't seen Chronicle either, actually. You know... What? <laughs> I'm going to mail it to you. I don't understand how you haven't seen the movies that seem like right. they would appeal to you the most. I know. I'm so bad so at seeing the thing, movies. Right? The, it's a found footage movie. That's why I have a podcast the, talking the, about movies. The plot is this guy, of course, this kid who starts filming his life. Right. Because. He decides that that's what he wants to do. He has definitely some issues. Like, he has a abusive stepfather, a very sick mom. He, he's in a poor family. He gets this, like, cheap camera and starts recording his life. He's a bit of a social outcast, you know, as normal. Yeah. And he goes to a party with his cousin. He brings a camera. He ends up, like, sitting outside alone because nobody, like, everything's he's weird because he's just walking around with a camera. You know, so you've got, like, the shaky lens and stuff like that. And then, like, they all get superpowers. They, him, the most popular kid in class, and his cousin all go into this cave because he has the camera he's brought along with him to see this thing, and it gives them superpowers, and they become telekinetic. And then that's where the story goes with those three characters. But then there comes a point where it stops. It is still always found footage. The movie never stops being yeah. found footage. Yeah. But it starts having actual movie cinematic elements. moments because... Yeah. The character stops holding the camera and starts floating it. Oh, that's really cool. So you get wide, sweeping angles. Nice. You get, like, full 360, like, shots and stuff like that, right? And that's what's happening in the middle of the movie. And, like, even there's even points where, like, he has to, like, do something. Like, they're all flying around and, like, one of them gets hit almost by a plane. And he's just plummeting. And they're all way up in the, in the air. And so he dives down and saves the guy and he ends up dropping the camera so the camera of course at that point just free falls 
I'm really curious really to see that one. Movie, actually. I'll have to watch I don't think it's based on anything, though, so it, that's the thing is it sort of breaks rules here. It can't be considered, but it's definitely, as, as far as visual goes, like unique visuals in superhero movies go, that's one of, also, it's gotten really dark. So, so final decisions, what is, what, what, what would you say best, I mean, submit your what's we, best, best adaptation? Well, can we just say, like, can we vote for the best second? Because Scott thing. Pilgrim wins. Yeah. Like, Scott Pilgrim is perfect in the transition from, like, yeah, its novel to its visuals. Okay, second best. Best other than Scott Pilgrim. Right, exactly. Best other than <laughs> Scott Pilgrim. I'll stick with Kick-Ass, Kick-Ass 2. That might be it. I can't confirm that. If you agree with him, then I'll, I'll go along with you. She might say 300, because 300 is really good, too. 300 is really good. It's a different type of comic book, though. Visually, it it's one of my favorites but it i you know what i'll i'll stick with 300 not because i actually think it's better than than kick-ass in terms of comic book 2 movie but i think its visuals are so outstanding and it plays with the idea that you can make movies feel like images and just extend them sort of it's like it's like if you took clips from a comic book and you like you just took an image from it from a comic and then you decided to have all of your artistic freedom with what that would look like, like look in real like, life. Look, look, yeah, like look at like it does look like shots. a drawing that starts moving. Kind yeah. Of. yeah, it looks like a painting that's begun moving. And of course, not this scene. Actually, you know what it looks like? It like actually literally looks like this. It looks like that shot from the Secret Life of Walter Mitty with the photo of the explorer guy, and he yeah. looks over and he like this hand starts moving and like motions for it. Like it actually looks like that. Yeah, it, does. it looks like a photograph that started moving while you were staring at it too long. Yep. Which is really cool. Yep. Right, it well, reminds me a lot of uh, the Magic the Gathering trailers. <laughs> because, like, I bet it's, it, it's really cheesy. Yeah. Well, because that's what it is, right? It's the moving artwork. Right. The Magic I, the I Gather- when they, when they make the Magic the Gathering trailers, they start off really bad. They've gotten a lot better. But essentially, it's a piece of artwork from the game, and then they make it move slightly. Yeah. It's nowhere near in scale of this, right? Because right. then, you know, it, it does continues. That, feeling, yeah. that, that shot's really bad, though. Uh, but, uh... It's what it's it's what I can compare it to. It's like the moving artwork. Yeah. In a lot of the slow motion scenes, right? But there's a lot of other scenes, like even just like. Even just like the Persian army, and you have like the like, crazy goat god man coming out of the gold, you know. I don't know the whole movie. Yeah, I think there are I think there are lots of there are lots of different ways to do again like kind of like. Following up on sort of how we ended the last podcast, it's like there's a lot of there's a lot of different ways to do the adaptation. I think a lot of it just has to do with sticking to the feel of what like it's of what you're what you're adapting. Basically, it's it's sort of like like the whole like do things know the reason that you're doing things. I think it's to me the thing that makes good adaptations stand out are when people know that what they're doing is they're trying to bring to life this feeling to the screen. And there's lots of different other things to talk about with adaptations also, like in the writing. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, I think we covered it visually pretty well. Do you guys just have any, any further further thoughts on the subject? Need to watch Kick Ass. Well yeah, that's a good yeah, that's a good one. My Mad, my Mad Max Fury Road is the best use of red I've ever seen. That's uh, not related, but I agree. <laughs> <laughs> my my only further thought is you were talking I can't remember, you said something at some point that made me think like I can't remember. You mentioned something about comic book stories, and I was at some point I thought, actually, it might make sense to just not adapt some things because some things might be bad. 
We yeah. never really we didn't really like touch up on that during the podcast at any point. But right. there are actually certain things where that's sort of where artistic liberties do come in. Yeah. I think. And are useful. Where if you take some if you're trying to adapt source material and you're like like there's definitely something to be said for the ability to recognize when something doesn't really work right. in the source material and changing it appropriately to fit the new format you're putting it in. Because yeah, most agree. comic books aren't actually great writing, usually. Sure. Like like going back to or that's not really visual based, but like just as an example, like the Marvel movies to me mean a lot more than the comics do because mm-hmm. a lot of the comics aren't good some of them are a lot aren't there's a much bigger gap i think in yeah. like and in, in uh in bad comic writing to good comic writing right should we end this with like an inverse what's the best like reverse like what's the best like movie or tv show that got adapted into a comic oh i have no idea does that ha- i guess that happens yeah. fairly frequently but so like the ones i can think of was like shrek Buffy. What? <laughs> the Whedon verse is where I, is where I first go. That's true. Right? They have like Firefly uh, and there's stuff. There's Firefly right? and there's uh, and the Firefly like does pretty good in my opinion. Like the art style looks very, like it keeps that weird like semi Asian look, you know? Yeah. Which I really liked. That, um, that's cool. What about best video game movie or movie movie based game like the other way? Because we can't make any good movies based on games, but sometimes we can make some good games based on movies. Um, okay, Shrek. so... <laughs> Shrek's heart racing. I think the answer yeah. is Spider-Man 2 again, the actually. The answer is... I'm going to actually challenge you with The Incredibles on Xbox. That one was pretty good. I actually... I, I played some of that. It was pretty good. It was actually the people who eventually went on to do the visuals of Team Fortress 2. Way too good for a licensed game. It was. It had... No business being as good as that was. I still think the answer is Spider-Man 2. The Spider-Man 2 PS2 game was like... Yes, that is a very top, good game. Top game adaptation. So, um... Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for joining the podcast. I think, I think we're about done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I think it's about I think to, we uh, talked ourselves out there. Apocalypse outside now. It does... Yeah, I don't know what... As we've been recording this podcast, we've actually slowly been turning into Zack Snyder color scheme the yeah. entire time we've been talking. This is I'd, my doing. <laughs> I was the actually... Wo- the world has turned gray, yeah. but Ricky is still skin-colored. I can see him. That's good. <laughs> no, he's really not, actually. None of us... We're all... Like, actually, yeah, yeah, we actually Al- are, Allison's getting the bluish here. We are almost yeah. going full Snyder here, so yeah, we should probably stop the podcast. Uh, <laughs> leave, uh, leave your opinions in the comments of this if you're watching on YouTube. If you have any suggestions on what you think is the best comic adaptation, uh, drop us a line and let us know. If you also uh, would like to suggest future topics, again, we are trying to come up with topics that we can use other movies... Um, as exa- like as examples to illustrate those topics rather than just doing movie reviews. If you have any thoughts on that, leave them in the comments. And, and we uh, will respond we will in those them. comments. We will have an actual conversation with you guys. <laughs> We're not always great about it, but we'll, we'll be working on that more so. Allison's on that now, actually. That's her job. We're all going to be on it. <laughs> I might be typing, but the opinions of Door Monster will be shared. <laughs> Even if we don't respond, I will be actually including them in our list of uh, future topics, so we might get to yours if you, if you leave suggestions. Um, Talk to us. Yeah. Uh, by next episode, we'll come up with uh, a way to end these. But for now, <laughs> bye. Oh, bye. <laughs> bye. bye.